From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Transformation of the Lens Capsule by Tripan Blue. We were clearly of the same opinion and agreed that Tripan Blue, from from the surgeon's point of view, decreases the um, capsular elasticity. First this. As seen from here reaches ophthalmologists in 98 countries, transfers more than half a terabit of podcasts every month. But the potential audience is much larger. Please tell your colleagues about this free resource, Flattening the Ophthalmic World. And while you're at it, let your residents and fellows know about Open Ophthalmology, a free basic science video podcast already a force in ophthalmic education with 1,800 viewers watching 6,000 video lectures every month. Information wants to be free. Help me give it away. Tripan Blue is wondrous stuff. With it, we can easily perform capsulorexis in eyes in which it would have been hitherto impossible. And what of those eyes? Have you noticed that patients with supermature cataracts, the sort that require capsular staining, have odd papery capsules? Or is this paperiness a byproduct of the tripan stain? I know how to find out. Ask Professor H. Burkhard Dick. He's just published results of a study examining the mechanical changes that the anterior capsule undergoes when exposed to tripan blue. Dr. Dick, welcome to a scene from here. Prior to your study, what was known about the safety of tripan blue stain? Yeah, no, no, there is no toxicity because it's a vital staining agent. And what led you to suspect that tripan blue might alter the elasticity of the lens capsule? Uh, it was because I routinely used tripan blue in pediatric cataracts. And you know, in pediatric cataracts, the capsule, the lens capsule is extremely elastic. And once you stain the capsule with tripan blue in pediatric eyes, the elasticity drops down tremendously. So all, uh, and without staining, I all the time tried to do a small capsulorexis but still, it was a large, big capsulorexis in size. But after staining, I was able to do a standard capsulorexis without any um, fudge factors or something like that. And so I was confident that, um, at least in, in pediatric eyes, it's extremely helpful what, uh, to stain the capsule because we were able to do, in all cases, a perfect centered capsulorexis. Vision Blue, the actual commercial preparation, does not consist solely of tripan blue. What else is in it? Well, tremendous uh, other potential, so to say, actors that are, for example, um, agents that um, try to to to, to uh, bring out a, a normal pH value. For example, there are some hydrogens in it. Uh, it con- consists, of course, of um, phosphate and um, autophosphate, for example. Then, of course, there is uh, sodium chloride um, for for hydroxide for adjusting the pH value, which is expected to be around 7.4. And, of course, water for injection. Dr. Dick, can I get you to describe the design of your study? The design of the study was that we take normal capsules collected uh, intraoperatively from totally 
healthy eyes. So uh, from a point of um, um, exclusion criteria, no diabetes, no um, pseudo exulation, uh, no previous surgery, no um, uh, history of um, any eye drops. And um, so totally healthy eyes. And the design was that we take this round capsulorexis piece, so to say, the disc, and separate it in two halves. And one of the, of the halves are um, stained and the others were not. So we had a totally intra-individual comparison. So that during cataract surgery, you would do the capsulorexis in, in your normal fashion and then harvest that anterior capsular button and divide that in two. Right. Yes. And then, of course, we, um, we, we um, took out, um, out of these two same size strips. We, we were cut out, put under a microscope, and so, so to stay in one part, part and the others not. And then, of course, we performed using a standard rheometer. Um, um, we measured the um, strain force applied to the rheometer. Of course, we took care that the, the same size was used and the same geometry across all specimens. But um, um, the, 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 the capsule, the part, was then inserted into the rheometer for the um, following um, investigations on the um, stress at the tear point, for example, as well as, um, as well as elasticity modulus. Dr. Dick, for my own edification, what is a rheometer? I, I had not heard of this device prior to reading your study. Okay, so a rheometer is a standard device for measuring elasticity as well as viscosity, especially in fluids but also, for example, in um, elastic um, objects, which are then put into this device. And what you can do is that you put um, this device under stress. That means shear stress as well as strain um, stress. And it's a standard device for measuring, for example, of timing viscosurgical devices, where you exactly determine if, um, to what extent the um, OVD um, is in terms of viscosity. So you, you determine, for example, the zero shear viscosity, in, and you know Helon 5, for example, has an extremely high uh, zero shear viscosity. And um, a rheometer can also tell you, um, for example, if it's a dispersive or a cohesive agent, um, and tells you also, also if it's a viscoadaptive, for example, or something like that. So you can, you can exactly um, examine uh, all kinds of, of um, pieces whatsoever in terms of their elastic as well as um, um, uh, viscosity, vis viscous um, characteristics. Just to make this clear, strain is pulling apart the two ends of the capsule uh, like pulling a rope taut. Right. And shear is sliding the two ends of the capsule laterally yeah. uh, in opposite directions. Right, exactly. Exactly, exactly. And it's um, in, in, in terms of strain, it's uh, sinusoidal oscillating strain with, with constant flow frequency. I found it very interesting in the paper reading what your experimental setup looked like. Can you tell me, if I walked into the, the lab, 
what, what would I have seen set up? Well, you would see a device uh, with very small um, uh, clamps. And, uh, I mean, the figure one shows you the device, which is a standard rheometer, for example. And then you, you put in these, these um, small samples, and then all the examinations are performed. And it's like a standard, um, it's really a standard rheometer, and it's, uh, it's, it's a standard care, so to say, in all um, departments that are dedicated to, to topics like that. What parameters did you measure? Well, the key parameters were, of course, for, first the stress at the tearing point. So to what extent can we stress and tear on the capsule until it's, it ruptures? Yeah? And, and, and with this regard, in, in intra-individual comparisons, we were able to see that the tearing point was earlier than the stained compared to the unstained groups. And one another thing was that we looked at... Um, uh, the stress point, uh, comparing again unstained versus sustained, and uh, we found that um, again the stress at the tearing point, in measured in Pascal, was smaller in the stained compared to significantly smaller in the stained versus the unstained, and this was true for at all time points, so to say. And another thing is the, um, which is a very complex um, point, but the modulus of elasticity, um, characteristic of the elasticity. Uh, when we compared it, um, there was a clear um, uh, difference in the modulus of elasticity between the unstained versus the stained samples. I'm just going to rephrase what you just said. It took less stress, less pulling apart of the ends. Less, less power, less, less, uh, less force. Yeah, to cause the capsule to rupture, to, to break. Yeah, and after it also staining. took After capsular staining. And right. it also took less shear yeah. after capsular staining to create a break in the capsule also. Right. And in terms of elasticity, the capsule became less elastic after being exposed to the tripan blue stain. Perfect. Right. Now, in terms of my experience using tripan blue during cataract surgery, which I've used many times, how do stress at rupture and change in elasticity translate into operative experience? Yeah. Well, you, you might know the, the, the so-called um, Argentinian flag sign. I'm not sure if you have heard of that. If it, it, it is after staining in a mature, totally mature white cataract, um, if you stain the capsule, and then you, you pinch into the uh, capsule using a self-bent needle or a forceps or something like that, it, the capsule immediately might rupture uh, in a line for, to both sides, immediately. So you have a blue and then white, where there, where there is a cap, the rupture of the capsule, and then again blue of the, t of the uh, stained capsule. It's, it's done immediately. And the, the easy thing is because the, the elasticity is ran down and, and it just breaks the capsule. And it's, it's, it's the same as if, you, if you're doing um, a lot of counter-pressure counter with OVD and apply the OVD on top of the lens and try to impel the lens because mostly in white cataracts are fluid uh, in order to prevent an outward tearing of the capsule, um, you will still see that the, the capsule is 
decreased in elasticity. It's, it's, the, the, you see that the lines are uh, more or less not round and a little bit more um, in a line. And, and, and that's something in my OVD courses when we did that at the ACRS as well as the ECRS with Steve Archinov, Sam Maskett, um, Howard Fine and others, we were clearly of the same opinion and agreed that uh, tripe and blue from, a, from, a, from, a, um, from the surgeon's point of view decreases the um, capsular elasticity. And, um, but there was no proof of that uh, feeling, so to say. And that was the reason that, that um, motivated me to, um, to perform this kind of study in an independent way, so to say. Now, your study did not look specifically at the mechanism by which uh, tripen blue alters capsular... No, exactly. Just at the end of the chain, so to say. But can I get you to speculate on how tripen blue alters the elasticity of the capsule? Well, this is, a, this is a very interesting, of course, question, but there is no clue answer to that, of course, because um, it will be hard, of course, to, to exactly... Uh, think about it, but what we know is that the dye substance um, will accumulate in the basement membrane. Yeah, and um, you, we all know that the membrane of the capsule consists of multiple lamellae uh, in a three-dimensional meshwork, and mostly of this part of this um, capsule um, part is collagen four, and especially this kind of collagen is extremely important for the biomechanical properties of the capsule. And that has been proven in many papers. And, um, of course, this structure, so to say, represents the uh, elastic properties. And the exposure to tripen blue, to light, which is, of course, at the same time existence, induces some chain reactions, photochemical reactions, so to say, um, with the existence of free reactive uh, um, free oxygen radicals. So it's same, the same mechanism or similar mechanism we see in the retina, for example, where there are, of course, are uh, representing singlet oxygen, etc. And these compounds uh, might interact, of course, with these basement membranes um, after staining and might cause, of course, collagen cross-linking. And collagen cross-linking, of course, will decrease um, elasticity. Yeah. And this is one potential, of course, mechanism uh, that might um, reduce elasticity in these, um, in these um, eyes specifically. But it's, of course, it's only a hypothesis. Now, you mentioned one circumstance in which it would be disadvantageous to decrease the elasticity of the capsule, and that's the Argentinian flag sign. Are there any circumstances in which it would be advantageous for the elasticity of the capsule to be decreased? Yeah, in pediatric eyes. Which you mentioned earlier in the interview. Yeah, but I still would all the time use tripe and blue, even complex in uh, cases, because the, 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 the staining is all the time superior. But you, the surgeon, of course, needs, needs to be aware that once you, you, you're using this dye and you're staining the capsule, uh, during the cataract surgery, the capsule is still more fragile. So FACO needs to be done in a very smooth and most atraumatic um, circumstances, so to say, and it's just to wake up the surgeon. If he's doing on this cataract surgery after using a dye, 
he needs to know that the cap's elasticity or the, the cap's itself is less forgiving. To follow that point up a little bit more, let me ask you this. How do you, in the context of your own practice, accommodate for this new information that you've learned from this study? Yeah, I, I do um, um, the capsorexis in, in mature cataracts only with the forceps because I can hold the uh, the rexus edge uh, with, a, with a self-bent needle or a pre-bent needle or something like that. I will never uh, be able to, to compensate for that. And secondly, of course, if it, there is a, a hard lens still in the mature cataract where the, the milky substance is around this hard cataract, I all the time try to elevate the nucleus so that I can apply less or the least less, least amount of stress to the capsule. So I'm doing phaco more in, a, in, a, in the iris plane or in the anterior chamber. Dr. Dick, thank you so much. Joshua, thank you for your valuable time and, and your excellent questions. Professor H. Burkhard Dick hails from the Center for Vision Science in the Ruhr University Eye Hospital in Bochum, Germany. His paper, Effective Tripan Blue on the Elasticity of the Human Anterior Lens Capsule appears in the August 2008 issue of the Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Ask questions of Dr. Dick or any of our previous guests or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.